Hey fam, it's your girl KDT with a quick word before we start today's Rewind episode. Just wanted to remind you that we are in Rewind mode as I continue to take the month of May off for my birthday. So this Rewind episode is one that we brought to you in the fall. And even though I talked to this adoptive mom for Adoption Awareness Month, she's also a foster mom. And you know that May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. If you know me, you know why both of those things, foster care and adoption, are near and dear to my heart. So I want you to listen up. She also fostered and adopted adopted transracially and because they are a black family who adopted a white child some of the things that they've had to endure really make me sad and angry quite frankly i hope that this will inspire you to see how you can get involved to help our babies because regardless of color they need our help also quick reminder that there is still time for you to help me celebrate my birthday with a donation to the nonprofit arm of in my shoes just head on over to our website or look for the link in the show notes and give your donation that's it for me fam Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we're facing every day. And I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson. And I am so excited for my guest today. I'll let her introduce herself and then I will tell you a little bit about why I wanted to have her on the show. So hello, how are you today? Tell everybody your name and a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Kia Jones Baldwin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, And, you know, I am 37 years old. I'm a therapist and a foster and adoptive mother. And so I'm excited to join in on the conversation today and see if we can, you know, normalize some of the things that um, people have thought about adoption and, you know, not wanting to do it or, you know, transracial adoption in general, or foster care, or any other questions that, you know, people may have as to the reason why they don't adopt. Thank you so much. And that really leads into why I wanted to have this conversation with you today. I am also a a former foster parent and an adoptive mom. And I found that for me, uh, in communities of color, it still seemed to be like it was this foreign thing that I was doing. Um, And so I have been following you on Facebook and I know that you um, have also adopted outside of your race, which that's a whole different thing. I would love to talk to you about that. I did not do. Um, And just the types of comments you get, uh, what people say to you when they find out that you're a foster parent and an adoptive mom. So let's start with how you got into becoming a foster parent in the first place. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I, um, for years, my husband and I, we kind of struggled through this tumultuous time of miscarriages and failed IVF attempts and, you know, just trying to grow our family, you know, the traditional way when you're young. And I, and I know like we were (laughs) 23 and 24 and we got married when we were 26. So I still consider that young, (laughs) but when you're young, you don't think that anything is going to be wrong or anything is going to, um, ruin your plans that you have for your life and so we never thought about not being able to have children it just was not a part about our psyche at the time um and yes so after me and my um you know husband kind of went through that I, I became very bitter I became very depressed um and it was just a time of me trying to to figure out okay God what is it that you want for my life um and, and I really had to kind of sit with myself just to to say, hey, 
the way that you are thinking about parenting, the way that you're thinking about motherhood may not be what God has for your life. You know, maybe it is something, something deeper, you know, maybe you're overthinking this. And so that's when we started to look into foster care. And it wasn't that we, we looked into foster care to grow our family. I really just, I really did not have adoption on my radar at all, but I saw the need and I said, you know what? I love children just the same, you know, even if they're not mine, I still want to, to help out. And me and my husband found that in foster care, we're able to do that. And uh, where do you live? We are in North Carolina. And what is it like there? So like in my area, and and I don't know if you know this, part of the reason why my husband and I decided to do it was in our area, more than um, half of the children in foster care were children of color. They were African-American or mixed race kids. Do you know, is that the case in North Carolina as well? Yes. And, you know, it's it's different in every um, in every part of, you know, in every part of the country, it's always different. Um, but in North Carolina, there is an overwhelming, um, you know, there's an overwhelming need for foster parents as, as it relates to children of color. And in my particular area, it's not, I, I think it's very diverse. So, you know, it's a lot of, of children in general, um, no matter the race. But in other areas in North Carolina, there is uh, more children of color than there are Caucasian children. And so you all decided, okay, if we can't have a child, maybe we'll at least start with fostering, right? And then how did you deal with, did you ever have children? I know I had at least one that really just tore my heart out when it, she had to be, obviously we were foster parents. So there's no guarantee that you get to um, adopt the child. So what was that like for you all? Did you have to adjust to that and what it would be like to have a child that you've really grown to love and then have them, you know, go back to their biological parents or relatives? Well, yes. Um, so we, I have a biological daughter already and it was, she was from a previous relationship. So Ricardo, my husband, he met her when she was about two years old, about two two to two and a half years old. And so um, it wasn't until she was about 10, 10 and a half when we started to foster. So she was really the only child for the longest time. And when we started fostering, we we had no idea what it entailed. And I'm so glad that they do the foster care classes, especially for beginners, because the reunification part does take some time for you to get used to. And so um, we've had several children come in um, our foster care home and they've been reunified with their parents. And I remember the first child that we had and he got reunified and I was so happy. I was happy for him, but it was also like a bittersweet moment because we'd had him for about uh, maybe about seven months. And so you just, you grow to love them and you become accustomed to them being there. Um, but we always have to keep in mind that reunification is the first goal in in any fostering situation. So we have to definitely keep that in mind. 
Yeah, it was difficult. I know. I think that's one thing that really um, deters some people. They have trouble wrapping their brains around that part of it. And so when did you decide that you wanted to go from fostering to then adopting? I'm assuming, did you adopt the children who were, for us, we adopted two of the children that we were foster parents for. Was that the case for you all? Yes. Well, we, one of our foster care supervisors at the time, she said, um, had you guys, have you guys ever, um, considered adoption? And we kind of looked at each other like, Hmm, you know, we, we had not really thought about it, but after she said it, I was like, well, you know what? I think we could, you know, I definitely think that we could do that. Um, I had to make sure that my mind was right. And, um, that I was able to love another child the same way that I love my biological daughter. I I would never want a child to feel like I love them any less. And so I I had to make sure that I could, could do that because I've gotten those questions too. Are you able to, to still love a child the way that you may love your biological child? And I couldn't answer that question, but I can definitely answer it now. And the answer is without a shadow of a doubt. Yes. Yes, you can. Um, but I just really, I really wasn't thinking about adoption until she mentioned it. And the children that we have adopted were in our foster, um, home for at least two years. Both of them, both of my sons were. And what other types of questions do you get? You mentioned that people ask, are you able to love them the same? What are some of the other questions you get, especially around the fact that your youngest son, is it Princeton? Is that, is that his name? Am I saying it right? Yes, Princeton. Yes. He is Caucasian, correct? He's white. So yes. what are some of the questions you get around just adopting, adopting in general, and especially as it relates to the fact that you have a child who is not African-American? Yes. So, you know, I, um, I wouldn't dare say that I'm this adoption guru or anything like that, but I, I love to learn. I love to educate myself. And, and once I became a foster parent, I made sure that me and my husband would always be learning how to be the best parents to our children because they did not biologically come from us. So when you think about foster care, you have to think about um, the children having um, their birth families that they may know and and any other baggage that they may come along with. And when we became foster parents, we did not specify on our paperwork whether we would foster a black child, a white child, a you know, Hispanic child, an Asian child. We just didn't specify. In our eyes, if a child is in need and we can provide them with that stability, that love, that care um, that they need until they're reunified with their parents, then, then, hey, why not? Um, After the children had been in our home for two years, especially within Princeton's case, he was a newborn when we got him. He was only a few days old. And so at two years old, when we were able to adopt him, I always tell people, was I supposed to give my son back into the foster care system and say, hey, he's not African-American and we are. So here you go. You can put him back and we'll take the African-American child. I don't think that <laughs> I don't know of any human being that would have done that if they they were in our situation. So, you know, but 
we get all sorts of questions like, well, why didn't you adopt an African-American child? Or they try to give us statistics. Well, you know, it's more African-American children out there in foster care that need that love and need that support. And I always agree with people. There, There is an overwhelming rate of African-American children. And in our case, we, we had a we had several African-American children in our foster care home that was luckily um, reunified with their parents. But our children did not have that opportunity. And I'm glad that we were able to be those uh, those set of parents that, that God placed in their lives for us to be able to parent them um, for the next however many years, 18 until, you know, uh, they're out of our house and, and beyond. But, you know, we get those type of questions. and. As far as is any other questions like racism, you know, why didn't you leave him with a white family? Um, he'll be better off with the white family. Um, you know, did you kidnap your son? Are you the nanny? Just all sorts of things. And I, I definitely think that it's because people are just not used to seeing African-American families with Caucasian children. And I was going to ask that specific question. I'm sure you get that one a lot. Are you the nanny or God forbid, they think you've stolen him from somewhere. Um, and yeah. it's always, it's always interesting to me because I think that when, and maybe it's me, but in the reverse, you can tell me if you've noticed the same thing when it's a white family that does it with a black child, sometimes it's like, Oh, it's so nice of you to just open up your home. But for some reason in the reverse, I, I've never known them to ask a white family. Did you kidnap her or him? Nobody ever asked that. Are you the nanny? But they do, you know, it's like, what? But for some reason, it's not, I don't want to say okay, but for some reason, it's, oh, you got to be the nanny or you snatched him up from somewhere and we're going to call the police. So do you think that that is what you see also, like when it's the reverse and it's a white family, black child, it's more, oh, it's so sweet of you to bring this child into your home as opposed to asking some of the crazy questions they ask you. Have you noticed that or do you find that to be true? Um yeah, well, you know, since I have, you know, been advocating for adoption in general and just bringing awareness to transracial um transracially adopted families, I have definitely been in groups and talked to a lot of um Caucasian parents that have adopted African American children and um out of, I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but definitely a, a high uh, percent of, of those families tell me that the question that they typically get is, um, oh, what country did you get them from? Even They could be from the United States. They can be from around the corner from them, you know, um, but they always assume that the African-American child is, you know, they're from Africa or the Asian child is from China or, you know, wherever. And, you know, they, really have not dealt with people accusing them them of kidnapping and it all goes back to society's view from the beginning of time you know people have always felt like oh the caucasian um mother or father they are saving these children from some some crazy fate a drug addicted parents or um from poverty or from a worse situation in that you know, they're living in, in the hood or, you know, all of these things, they, they're, they're not going to get the best education. So they just have these assumptions that, you know, African-American children, um, 
you know, come from these low income families or something has has transpired so so wrong or cruel in their lives that they have to be saved. And that's where the savior complex come in, where a lot of of Caucasian families are, you know, pretty much accused of being saviors. And I will tell you that that's really not how they feel. And a lot of people say, well, how do you, you know, I really think that's how they feel. And I say, well, I'm in, in those same adoptive shoes. Like you, you have to be an adoptive parent to, to, <laughs> to kind of know, like, I, I, I'm almost certain that these families don't feel like, oh, I've saved my child. Now you have some, I'm not going to say that, that you don't, but the majority of people just, you know, don't feel like they've saved their children. It's actually the other way around, especially for me. I feel like my children saved me. Um, but I do feel like society uh, views that as the right way to go. You know, it's it's been around for years, so that we're used to seeing it. So if we see it, see them out in public at a restaurant, they're not being accused of being the nanny or kidnapping. People just automatically assume, oh, they just adopted that little boy. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice of them. God bless you all. On the other hand, it's you know, are you the nanny? Oh, it's so so much tra- child trafficking going on. You just never can be too safe. So I've gotten that too. <laughs> and so it's like, hmm, okay. Well, it child trafficking's been going on for a long time. Why haven't you approached Caucasian families that have African American children? Are they not? Um, can they not be child trafficked, or do you just not care, or are you just used to seeing? seeing that in society and it's just normalized whereas transracial adoption is not in reverse and i think you you bring up a really great point it, the number of people who feel it's their duty <laughs> to like come up to you it's like for real i mean you know it's just it, it fascinates me the stuff that people think it's okay to let come out of their mouths it's like, okay. what? <laughs> i mean i didn't get the you know i did not adopt as i said transracially but i, I get a lot of you know and this one touches a nerve deep in me well have you ever met their real mom i just can't oh my gosh (laughs) that would be me that that would be you're looking at their real mom you know what i'm saying i cannot the stuff people will ask you it's like well you couldn't get pregnant well i I didn't really know i needed to give you my whole (laughs) you know and for me it was different i i knew that i would have trouble getting pregnant and i just did not even try IVF or any of those things that just wasn't for me I went straight to adoption that was the choice I made so people think I'm like weird you know because I just (laughs) I'm gonna skip all of that and just adopt how about that and people thought I was very odd so (laughs) when people approach you you know I know it took a while for me to like woosah and not want to like bite somebody's head off when they ask me (laughs) about their real mom so I can just imagine how do you deal with it when you're you're out and people, you know, now they feel stupid because it's like I'm I'm his mother. And so now they gotta cover up the oh well, you know, you can never be too careful. How do you handle those questions when people come up to you and say those types of things? Well, you know, I I I prepared myself. I really was naive to the fact that Caucasian families with African American children or black and brown children did they didn't deal with the same type of things that um, transracial families with white children that are African-American deal with until I went to a training and all of the women in there um, were mostly Caucasian families with African-American or black and brown children. And at the time I was the only 
Um, my husband and I were the only family with the white child. And we always telling our stories about what has, what has transpired out in public. And, um, when I started to tell, you know, the things that I get, everybody was crying. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, does that happen to you? I feel so bad. Like, what is wrong with people? And that's when a light bulb went off in my head, like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, Kia, you're being very naive about the situation. It's deeper than that. And in order for you to protect your child, I need you to get your head out the cloud. So, you know, you know, you, you have a baby and it's just like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, I have a baby and it's all I ever wanted. And then you don't think about anything else. And then I had to think about, wait, yeah, but he's just, he's not an African-American child. So, you know, now you're going to have to do the hard work of, you know, answering these questions or telling these people back up or, you know, whatever. So I had to, I had to think like, I know that I'm going to get questions. That's just how people are. And I wanted to make sure that we were open to educating people instead of closing, closing everyone off and just saying, you know, it's none of your business, leave me alone, you know, things like that. And so I'm always open for conversation when people are able to approach it you know, with grace or with dignity versus you coming up, oh, you kidnapped that son. And then I have to, I have to now brace myself. I I don't know what's going to fly out of my mouth. And then, like you said, now you're looking crazy when A, you call the cops and then my husband may pull up because he's a cop <laughs> or B, you feel bad because you, you're like, oh gosh, oh, she's just an adoptive mother. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so sorry. You can never be too careful. It's not right. And just because you ask the question don't mean I have to appease you in any way. I don't have to tell you anything, but I do it because I just really want to start changing the narrative that families don't have to match. We don't have to look alike to love alike. And, you know, we can definitely all, you know, black black people do adopt and they do adopt transracially. I really love that. You don't have to look alike to love alike. I really, really like that. So was this part of what led you to start your Facebook uh, page, Raising Cultures? Because that's where I found you. My sister had been following you and she mentioned, um, oh, I've been following this um, woman on Facebook. You really like it. So I've been following you guys for several, several months. And so, but I, ha I wasn't at the beginning. So was that the, the impetus for what led you to say, hey, I think I want to start this so people get a real sense of, you know, especially in today's time, what a family looks like? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I, it did not, I actually started raising cultures in 2018 before any of all, you know, any of this, uh, transpired. And I really started it because my family is just full of shenanigans is what I always like to say. Um, you know, we were, we just like being silly and, you know, bringing the, the laughs and the smiles to everybody. And it was for, you know, my family basically to that was in in another state or whatever to keep in contact with us. And so that's the reason why I started the the, the Facebook page and just to kind of share, you know, how my family looks and and then it turned into more of like a, a educational platform, advocate advocate um, a situation where we can advocate for each other and also connect with other uh, foster and adoptive parents. So it's really just kind of <laughs> morphed into something so, so beautiful. I really love, you know, my page because we're able to talk about the hard things and then get back to the, the funny if we want to, you know. And how many children do you have? 
I have four children. I have uh, two 17-year-old daughters and they're seniors and we're in that that whole senior thing of oh I'm so ready for them to go oh no I don't want them to go (laughs) because they're going on to college next year and um so we're just just chugging through this senior year in remote learning and trying to you know take it one day at a time and then we have Aiden he is um almost 10 he's our middle son and then we have Princeton and he's three and what has it been like? I know remote learning girl and two 17 year olds. Woo. Ooh. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Girl. Lord. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just had one and that was enough. I was like, okay. oh, the drama. <laughs> and I mean, cute in the drama. Okay. <laughs> so what has that been like with, you know, with the pandemic and not being able to keep your, you know, your routine the way you'd like to? Um, The pandemic has been, wild we started off trying to do the best we could (laughs) under the circumstances like anyone else you know and then remote learning came in and it was like oh my gosh like teachers should get a raise right now you know and so it's been an experience because the girls are seniors they really wanted that senior year and I feel really bad for them um that they kind of missed out on the, the the prom and you know how graduation could be and and awards day and just different things like that that you just experienced your senior year um and then there's my elementary son and he's just you know, kind of to me is the one that really lost everything. And I feel bad, you know, at least the girls have social media, they have a phone, they can connect to their friends, you know, via those type of platforms. And then my son who don't have those things can't connect. And, you know, so he just kind of lost it all at one time. So I really am sensitive to his situation more so than the girls. And how does he, he's so young, he may not even, bless his heart, put it all together yet, but does you, do you ever get a sense that he notices or um, is uncomfortable when people make comments or when he's out or is he still too little to really realize, oh, this isn't, this isn't what people think is normal. I mean, it's normal to me and it's normal, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but that people in society think this is different. Do you think he's old enough to kind of feel or understand that? um Princeton or Aiden both of them actually okay um well um I definitely know that Aiden really understands um he's even gotten questions from kids at school like oh you said you are mixed or you said you're biracial but why do you have two black parents you have to have a black parent and a white parent or something like that or um you know Aiden is very vocal about foster care and adoption he's been that way since he was three and a half years old and I don't foresee him slowing down in any way and so the first day of kindergarten he was he was just up front and you know they were introducing themselves and he was like um you know I'm Aiden and I'm a foster kid and you know and I was like oh my gosh you know (laughs) but that's just who he is he 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 likes to talk about it I think that it's therapeutic for him and so in that aspect then you have kids asking questions and oh well where's your real mom where are your real siblings do you this that and the third and so I definitely had to as he got older I told him you don't have to share those things if you don't want to um but if you do then you know you 
you have to prepare yourself that people are not going to give you the answer that you may be wanting from them. And then I try to educate people on the other end and say, hey, it's a way that you can ask questions and not be insensitive to to other people's feelings. But um, as far as Princeton is concerned, he's just now starting to realize differences. Um, You know, the other day he was um, we was talking and he just like uh, Aiden's arm is white (laughs) and your arm is black, mom, you know, and so like he's noticing the differences between us, uh, the physical differences. And me and my husband, we had already talked about how we, how we would present to him, you know, uh, about adoption. And, and he hears us talk about adoption. Of course, he's three, so he may not understand everything. Um, and, you know, the good thing about it is he we are connected to all of our children's bio birth families. And so that kind of helped eases the situation but as far as differences in the way that he you know loves like oh you know this is my mommy she's just you know that's just how her color is not you know he don't see anything there and he's he's definitely starting to notice like not too long ago we were approached outside of a restaurant by a lady that was asking me was I his teacher or was I his um his date um um babysitter and she then, after I told her he was adopted, after we talked a second or two, um, she was like, oh, you know, her tone ch- um, changed and she was trying to speak to him. And he kind of hot- went behind my legs and just didn't want to even look at her. And so I think he's starting to sense things because it happens more often than people are aware of. You know, people say, oh, you know, you're kind of making these things up or, oh, you know, I'm does that still happen in 2020? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it does almost every day. And so he's, he's always seen people come up to us randomly. And now I just feel like he's starting to feel, think like Mm-mm, something's off with them. I don't, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And as he gets older, how do you think you'll be able to explain it to him that you know, the people coming up to you all and, and asking those kinds of questions. Cause what I'm, what I fear is, and I know people have done it, that they will discount you and start asking him, are you in trouble? Do you need help? You know, because I, I know that that has also happened as well. So what do you, and what do you tell all the kids, you know, how they can handle it when they're out and they get those kinds of questions? Yeah. You know, because I'm a, I, because I am um, a therapist and I've been in behavioral health for a long time. I, I, I typically deal with people from the aspect of a therapist and I try to remain calm in the situations and things like that. So I try to, I've taught my children that they are able to, to have whatever emotional response they're going to have to people, um, coming up to them, coming up to us and being rude. And I I don't want them to feel like our family is different because our family is no different than any other family in the world. And I don't want to I don't want them to feel like, oh, because our family looks like this. Now we have to answer a barrage of questions from from this person or that person. No, ma'am. No, sir. You do not. Mommy chooses to do that. But you don't have to. if That's not what you want to do. And I've taught them, you know, definitely not to be rude or disrespectful, even if somebody else is coming off rude and disrespectful. 
But I have two 17-year-old teenagers. <laughs> and they're already teenagers, you know. And so it's it's been a time or two where we've been approached out in the public and, you know, they've said, back off. Or, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so ready. Like, I can't believe you would even come up to us. Like, leave us alone already, you know. And it might be after the fifth time that day, you know, we've, we've probably been out shopping and we might've got stopped in the mall or we might've got stopped at the restaurant. And here you are the third time we're at the grocery store and here you come. And it's just your turn because we've been asked all day long, you know? And so, um, it, it has gotten to the point where, you know, people have been met with anger or, you know, those things. And, and I can't tell my family how to react. I can't. Um, and so, you know, either A, you mind your business and then you don't have to worry about the reaction or B, if don't become offended when you're met with that type of, um, you know, with that type of emotion, once you've accused somebody of kidnapping a child. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame the babies. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, really? For real? I yeah. mean, as a parent, you have to try to say, okay, I know, but I don't, it's like, seriously, Right. You know, I'm, I'm sure it has to be very difficult for a young person who's like, that's my mama, that's my brother. Can we all just move on? That's my dad. That's my, can we just, yeah. move on? you know, and I know that it's hard for people who aren't living it or who have not adopted or been a foster parent to really understand the looks and the questions. Um, and sometimes young people, I, I don't, you know, they don't mean any harm. Maybe, you know, they're eight, nine, 10, they don't know. But when adults, are talking about your real mom and did you kidnap this child? It's just really amazing that it still seems to be so taboo when, you know, transracial adoption is not like y'all are the first people to do it. Right. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, so I can imagine. I know, right? Poor babies. <laughs> so are you still fostering? Do you all still have foster uh, kids from time to time? Um, we, we are um, still licensed as foster parents. I um, wanted to, to take a break for just a second or two from fostering until we, um, we just really started to get settled in our house. And so we had to, you know, make sure that they knew and renew our license there and we've gotten settled in our home. And so, you know, as soon as you kind of open up the doors, you know, foster care, they'll play around. They, they are ready. They are on it, you know? (laughs) So I'm, I'm sure. I can imagine that we've thought about doing it. I had my youngest was a special needs child. And so, for a while, I really needed to focus on that. But my two are now, oh, Lord, I always mess this up, 19 and 20. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, because I started really, I think I began as a foster parent at like 25. And by 26, we had our son. We've had him. Uh, it's so funny how our stories kind of mirror each other. Yours, You got your son as a few days old. My son was only like four days old when he came. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And my daughter was two. Um, and so we, we, I got the whole experience of being a new mom from a newborn. And then my, my second adoption, my, she was a, a foster child that came with, to us as a toddler. She was two years okay. old. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've thought about doing it again because I know in uh, most states there is a need for yes. more foster parents. I yes. know that for sure. So if you, as we get ready to wrap up, if you could you know, make a plea to somebody who's maybe thinking about becoming a foster parent or adopting through their state, what would you tell them? I would definitely tell them to pray about it um, because it's 
it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. I don't want to make it seem like it's this, you know, this great thing and everybody can't do it. And so I, I think that you, you have to have a at least somewhat of a support system because you're you're going to need somebody to talk to to get you through those rough patches that you may experience um, while you're in foster care training or while you're you're going back and forth to court and different things like that. But I will say that it has truly been a blessing to me. Um, it has truly um it really truly shows humanity and and it humbles you and if there is a need and we can help fulfill that need then I think that people should do it especially if they've thought about doing it I completely agree with that and um, part of another reason obviously I wanted to do this November is Adoption Awareness Month and so I just thought it was a great time to talk to somebody who has been a foster parent who is an adoptive parent Um, Because I do think that there is such a need out there for children, regardless of color, who just need loving homes. Absolutely. Um, And if people can provide that, it it shouldn't matter about skin color. It's a shame that we're still dealing with that. But we are in 2020. (laughs) So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Have really enjoyed this conversation. That's all the time we have for today. If you have anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you can hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Again, that is kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. And until next time, be blessed.